I'm Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your T-Lo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the low in your T-Lo, Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. Hello. It is Oscars week. I know. We are heading into the weekend. We are gearing up. We're limbering. We're... We're stretching, we're caffeinating because, <laughs> uh, well, first off, it's going to be the biggest red carpet event in two years right, for us true. and for the world. Um, and also, uh, we'll be doing commentary for Cosmopolitan. We have to file a piece that night. And so it's very, I'm excited. I'm yeah. actually really excited. I, even I though, always get a little stressed out uh, because, it, you know, you, you're like, oh my God, am I going to get all the names right? Am I going to get all the dresses and right, this, right, right. all the stuff and the pictures? Where are the pictures? Where are, you know? It's like the Olympics it, of, yeah. of red carpet. It sounds silly, but that's what we do. And, yeah. we, you know, and we just keep refreshing the pages and looking for pictures yeah. and IDing everything. It's, it's, it's a lot. And uh, then you, you write several posts for the site the next day. Um, aside from writing for Cosmopolitan, right, you know, and they right. keep sending email to us, you know, they send emails as the event is happening. Yeah, and, we'll be doing a bunch of um, yeah. awards uh, posts for them through, and red carpet, not posts, articles for them f- through the rest of the year. Right. So, so, it, so it's intense. <laughs> it is. It's very intense. Like, the re- we have to start live tweeting the red carpet at like, I don't know, four or five, five in the afternoon, roughly. Right. It's, no one really steps onto it until at least six or seven. Um but and by live tweeting it, I mean, we have to tweet out pictures and credits and maybe a little bit of opinions here and there right, because right, right. it's, you know, not to sound braggy or anything, but um, on a night like the Oscars, it's just all over social media. You'll f- hear people Everyone saying, is talking about go it. check out Tom and yes. Lorenzo, yes. go check out the Fug Girls. Like, it's, you know, it's our night, bitches. Because we're uh, there. I mean, I mean, yeah, we're. I mean, it, it's funny because I'm with my computer uh, on my lap and then we're TVs on right. and we're like watching. And uh, speaking of which, we crazy. and the Fug Girls were quoted in the Har- in Harper's Bazaar today in an article about the return of oh, the red right, carpet, right, right. and uh, which I'm really glad that article came out because it's something we've been saying for a really long time, even when we were in the throes of lockdown. I remember I was really pissed off. I won't say who it was or where it ran. But an article ran um, during lockdown that said it's time for the red carpet to, you know, just go away. We've mm-hmm. grown past it. But, and it just annoyed me because I was like, you don't understand why there are red carpets and why the, the all the people involved in red carpets do not want them to go away. Right. Um, and we've been saying all along, it's not going anywhere. If anything, it'll be wilder when it all comes back. And that has largely turned out to be true. And like I said, it's nice to see us and the fun girls quoted in these articles because we're the ones. I mean, we're the ones no, that devote yeah. a day in and day out for decades I now. I agree. Uh, uh, and, it, and it's nice to see it back. It's uh, it's nice to see people talking about it, all these articles, you know, everywhere, right. talking about the Oscars. And uh, I find it interesting. Yeah. Uh, I find it very I'm really looking forward yeah. to the night. We're going to crash by probably next Wednesday or we'll so. Be dead by Wednesday. But <laughs> who cares? Like, that's it's our job. We're no, not complaining. We doing it. Really looking forward to it. Um, can't wait to see how people are dressed because, uh, it's been a crazy, um, I just feel like, fa- and this was again, the focus of this piece in, in Harper's Bazaar is that the fashion has gotten wilder and wilder over the last mm-hmm. six to nine months or so where the celebrities are just like, fuck it. Did I'm, you uh, read I'm dressing that? like studio 54. You did great. Okay. Um, so I'd be interested to see if we have perhaps, perhaps the wildest, Oscars red carpet we'll in see. quite some time because the Oscars red carpet has become very 
uh, conventional and almost conservative in its style. You don't see the crazy styles from the right. 70s, 80s, or 90s. Um, but maybe we'll see a return to that sort of self-expression. Who knows? Um, I think everyone is excited. The the houses, the fashion houses, and you yeah. know, the stylists, hair people, makeup people, they all want to do their best because they haven't done this right. in a while. So I think, yeah, I think we'll we'll, we'll see a very interesting, One very thing I, glamorous uh, red carpet. I agree. I agree. Um, I, I think everyone's going to turn it out. I think the jewelries will be out. I think, you know... We're going to see a lot of glam. One thing I don't agree with, again, is there's a lot of prognosticating or or opinionating about the idea that, well, you know, with the war invasion of Ukraine, right. we can't blah, blah, blah. And this is, again, the sort of Eurocentric, white-centric thinking that it's, keeps coming up in America since the invasion of Ukraine. There have been invasions of other countries going on every Oscars every year since there have been an Oscars, and you didn't question whether or not you should wear diamonds that year. I'm not suggesting that, you know, you don't need to right. take a moment uh, for the, the people of Ukraine, especially since um, Volodymyr Z- Zelensky is an actor and there's an obvious, they did it at the SAG Awards. There I'm sure a, they will mention something. Of course. But yeah. the idea that, oh, we should tone everything down because there's a war going on in Ukraine. Well, we just ended a war in Afghanistan that we were fighting for 20 years and nobody thought we should cancel the you Oscars. Know, celebrities, always, they always have an opinion about a lot of things and, and sometimes the wrong kind of opinion or oh, quite often <laughs> yeah so why not use this opportunity here to remind people what's going on and, right. and how important it is that we're focused that you know and, and that we can help that we help as much as we can and so on maybe we'll see yellow a lot of yellow and blue oh i'm uh, sure we'll see a lot here. of i don't think i don't know about yellow and blue gowns we'll see re- yellow and blue ribbons we'll, we'll see a lot uh, of that yeah and i, I hope so yeah, absolutely. I'm not I would never put that down, putting, you know, any sort of public support for the people of Ukraine right now is I couldn't sneer at that. But the idea that and, and I know that um, Amy Schumer, who is one of the hostesses this year, she said in an interview that she tried to get them to get Volodymyr Zelensky to make a, 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 like a, a Zoom a, kind a, of thing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I just don't think that's appropriate at all. I just don't. I, don't, I think there's a yeah, weird no, yeah. juxtaposition there. I don't think that's why people watch the Oscar ceremony, and I think it diminishes what he's going through for a bunch of people in diamonds and gowns to sit there and listen to him. And it's just going to... It, it just opens up for, you know, all sorts of criticism, you know, and that's small. He doesn't need that right now. No, and that's not what the Oscars are for. Right. Anyway, um... We are going to talk about the rather disastrous, um... Uh, Royal Caribbean tour. I know it's been something. <laughs> um, it's been something, and um, it, uh, we're talking about William and Kate, who have been touring Belize and Jamaica, and uh, Bill and Kathy. Bill and Kathy going to the Bahamas. I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to call them Bill oh, and Kathy God. till the day I die. I still laugh when I see it written on outside Bill and yeah. Kathy. I mean, and, uh, for and, some reason on Facebook, everyone is just going. Oh my God! But Facebook, Facebook is just. I mean, you know what? We're, I, I, I. <laughs> We're going to get to Bill and Kathy. Yes. We'll, we'll get to all of that oh in God. a bit. We'll get to the serious stuff. But um, uh, I wanted to see if you had any TV stuff. I know there were some previews and stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I will say that I, before I hand over to you, I have seen the first two episodes of Moon Knight. We're not allowed to, I think, give anything but our... our 
are, you know, just impressions at this point, like social media impressions. So I'm not going to say too much. I will say people are going to be really charmed by Oscar Isaac in this one. He's adorable. Well, and they really put him through it. And he does a lot. Uh, There's just a lot that he does in those first two episodes. I don't love the character. I don't love the story itself. I don't know anything about the character. Is um, that a comic book? or Yeah, and okay. I think it's a hard sell because there's an awful lot of mythology, that you, literal mythology, that you have to explain to the audience. But that's all I'll say about that. Um, Picard, Star Trek Picard, I am happily watching it, but I, I, re- I realize that it's not for everyone. It's got a lot of flaws. Right now, the characters are all in... Um, 21st century Los Angeles, and we've done this. And I know they're doing callbacks to, you know, Star Trek for The Voyage Home, and fine, whatever. Um, they cast a young actress to play the young version of Whoopi Goldberg's Guinan, and she's kind of great, but we all know what Whoopi Goldberg looked like when she was that age, and she doesn't look anything like this actress. Um, I will say, however, that... Unlike Star Trek Discovery, which I have not finished the latest season and I'm sort of plotting my way through it, Picard does have a really great cast. Uh, I really do enjoy watching these characters and these actors bounce off each other. And that, to me, is the essence of good Star Trek. It's why Discovery has had such a rocky um, history is because, uh, aside from one or two performances, it's it's not really relying on the actors or the characters all that much. And Star Trek really has to be about the characters. They have to be really strong, almost iconic, almost archetypal characters to work. Um, and Picard gets that. There's there's all different. There's a range of personalities on display. There are a range of physical types on display. Uh, and I think the cast actually looks great together. Um, so to me, that's a huge selling point. And of course, Patrick Stewart's always great. Jerry Ryan, I always love. Um, so I like Picard. I'm enjoying Picard, but I do realize that it's, if you're a really hardcore, especially next gen fan, this may not be what you want from this character or, or this version of the, of that universe or whatever. But, uh, I, I got to say, it's it's a thumbs up for me. It's it's hovering near a B-plus so far for the season. Um, yeah, bring the Borg Queen back. Why not? Travel back to Los Angeles. You know, play all the hits. Um, that's the point, right? How much, how much more time does Patrick Stewart have playing this character? <laughs> right. So just play all the hits on the way out. Let the guy cash his check. It's fun to watch. And he's so charming. He yeah. is so charming. Um, and he understands the character, the story, everything right? yeah, so well. Yeah. So that's my TV talk. Now you tell me about what you have been watching, I've been Mr. watching white ladies shows. <laughs> it's all about white ladies it's from Lorenzo. It's all about the white, you know, ladies, the privileged white ladies. Uh, but they're interesting shows I've been watching, and I'll talk a little bit about each one of them. I'm, I'm, I watched The Dropout. Uh, with Amanda Seyfried. Um, also uh, watched the Bad Vegan a documentary on Netflix about the chef Sarma Miguelis, I believe her, that's her last name, and the uh, Elle Finney uh, in uh, The Girl from Plainville. Um, so all about white ladies, uh, troubled white ladies. Yes. Scary white ladies. <laughs> Scary white ladies. Uh, they're, they're interesting sh- stories. And the thing is that the reason why I like watching these shows is that I'm always uh, ready and willing to uh, listen to women's stories, uh, even if they're troubled ones, because there's so much going on. And, and I think it speaks volumes of what these women go through. And because they do the things they do, 
And I think because we've seen more and more of these shows on television now um, about con artists, about all kinds of people doing all kinds of things and getting to trouble. Um, when it comes to women, it, it, it it's interesting because you you it it's sort of like a fine line for me when I'm watching it. I'm like, all right, they're women and they're doing these things because most of the time in 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 the in two cases here uh, allegedly. They were influenced by men. Men made them do the things that they did. So it's interesting. It's, it's kind of an interesting conversation to have because that does happen often. Um, so at the same time, you kind of question, okay, were you really uh, forced by these men to do the things you did? Or are you just saying that uh, to sort of like play the victim here? So they're fascinating stories. Uh, there are two shows are on, on Hulu and the... Um, the other uh, the, one, one of them is on Netflix. So I'm going to talk about the dropout first because I've always been fascinated by the story, the story of Elizabeth Holmes, who uh, developed this, tried to develop this uh, um, system or machine that you would, you know, would would test your blood, um, and then just in the beginning, of course, with like a, a single drop of blood, and, and then you can get multiple results. And then it, it, it turned later into like a few drops <laughs> will uh, give you multiple uh, results. And it's, it's, it's the, the, the show dropout is about her story about developing this machine, and what she went through. And uh, with the help of her partner slash boyfriend, um, played by Naveen uh, Andrews, who was in Lost, if you remember. He's excellent, excellent in it. So is Amanda. Amanda is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, They're talking Emmy for her. They're talking Emmy contention in this performance. I saw a little bit of it, and I was like, wow, she's really... I have to explain, first of all, what I find fascinating about the whole thing is that before even I watched The Dropout, long, long time ago, I watched The Inventor, and I highly recommend that you watch that on HBO, which is a documentary about her life. And uh, Elizabeth Holmes' life, and um, and it's all footage. It's her real, real footage of her because apparently she was at the time when she was developing the machine, she was interviewed, and you know they they had cameras in her uh, office and all that kind of stuff. So, and they interviewed a bunch of the um, um, analysts and, and and researchers, everybody working for her. Um, so if you watch watch that first, that's my suggestion. Uh, it's on HBO called The Inventor. Um, I think it's only. An hour and a half, an hour and 40 minutes, anyway. Then watch The Dropout. And if you watch that first and understand how Elizabeth Holmes behaved, and there's, there was a whole debate on the internet, which is a fascinating thing to talk about, about the way she talks, that she drops a few... <laughs> um, uh, anyway, Octaves. Her, yeah, octaves and her voice. I don't want to... I'm not, you know, I'm not making fun of her. But the point is that she changed the way she talked because she felt that she people weren't listening to her or or respecting her as a woman because she had a high-pitched, very high-pitched voice. Uh, and so she kind of dropped uh, her voice, her tone down a little when she started talking like this. And, um, and it's interesting because this is a conversation that women... I mean, we see that all the time, women talking about that, how... You know, the way they talk, people make fun of the way women talk, especially men in power. Uh, so it, it, it's it's interesting to see that and why she did that and why she felt she had to do that. Uh, but at the same time, uh, as, the story, as the story develops, uh, you see that she goes from this very ambitious woman trying to change the world. And she was obsessed with Steve Jobs and, and, and Apple and all everything. She wanted to be the next genius. Um so it's interesting to see how it goes from um, 
her dream, her ambition is to become this very, you know, change the world to I'll do everything I can and let's just forge here and there and let's fake here and there so that I can get this developed. So it's very interesting. I think Amanda uh, Seyfried, she's just, she does a phenomenal job. I mean, she looks like her, kind of. Um, she acts like her. I think she does a very good job uh, depicting uh, Elizabeth um, weirdness. I mean, the woman yeah. was weird. And uh, also her ruthless ambition. I mean, at certain points, at, you know, you're watching Amanda play and you're like, wow, you just, you sound like her, you, you're acting like her. If you watch the documentary first, you, you, you kind of see that. But anyway, I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was uh, very interesting to watch. Um, right now they're deciding what to do with the real person. You know, she's, uh, she was charged with a lot of things. And um, anyway, possibly going to jail but it, it's fascinating the whole story and and it it's just something that i i highly recommend if, even if you don't know anything about the story um and if you have the time watch the documentary first and then watch the um hulu uh series that's one of them the other one is called also on hulu played by al fenny she plays a main character it's called the girl from plainville it's about if you don't know it's about michelle carter and and conrad uh roy the third, two teenagers who uh, became friends, um, starting uh, um, exchanging um, text messages. And um, at some point, Conrad Roy uh, the third um, killed himself. And the story is that he, she sort of like encouraged him to get, to kill himself uh, through text messages. Um and the story hinges especially in the fact that in the part of the story is that he actually changed his mind as he was texting, as they were texting each other, got out of the car. I'm not giving anything away. This is, this is what really happened. Um, and uh, she convinced him to go back in the car and kill himself. So it's a very, very sad story. Very interesting take and conversation to have about text messages and and the new technology that we have that the you know teenagers and kids have uh, and how they communicate now and how you can um, sort of develop these relationships where you know through a text message you encourage someone to kill themselves. So it's 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 very interesting. It's based on a real story. It's it, it really happened um, and. Um, she looks exactly like Michelle Carter, uh, Elf Annie. She does. She looks exactly like her. The uh, everything, the eyebrows, everything. Um, it's it's fascinating. It premieres March 29th. I I highly recommend it. She, she also gives a phenomenal performance. So, and the the last one that I watched, it's actually this one is just a documentary. It's about uh, the um, uh, raw food uh, chef uh, Sarma Mengels, I believe it's it's her last name. Um, she. She opened this restaurant in uh, New York, and uh, the restaurant became very famous, all these celebrities. In fact, she kind of had a sort of a relationship with Alec Baldwin in the beginning. He was obsessed with her, loved, you know, thought she was hot, blah, blah, blah. They kind of almost went out together and almost had a relationship. And then it's, the funny thing is that he actually met um, Hilaria or Hilaria, her, his wife there in the restaurant. I didn't know that. Anyway... She opens this restaurant. The restaurant becomes this very famous, wonderful place to be and to eat in New York. She was on cover of every magazine. And just because, again, she's gorgeous, she's young, you know, and she's a chef. Uh, but then she starts having a relationship with this guy um, 
on Twitter. Uh, and she, the story is that they end up together and uh, she, um, according to her, he forces her to do a lot of things, including um, give him all the money she has, including the restaurant money and, and became a big thing because she pretty much stole all the money and didn't pay the employees and, and became a mess. Um, so anyway, so that's the story. And they were charged, of course, of all sorts of things. Um, anyway, so it's, it's, and it's a very interesting story because uh, I have to say, watching Bad Vegan, I knew a little bit about her. Um, but I watched the whole thing and I still don't know. I'm going to be very honest here. I still don't know if she is actually a victim here or she's just playing the part like, like, Anthony, the guy, is also doing. So I don't think the document did a very good job. Um, I don't know. Not that they have to give me an explanation or, you know, make me decide which which way should I go in terms of understanding or thinking what she did was right or wrong. But I don't think the document did a very good job explaining exactly what happened and why she did the things she did. But she traveled with him. She spent all the money. Um, it, it's a mess. The whole story is a mess. And it was all over the internet at some point. Um, so that's it. These are my suggestions. Um, I think they're great. They're interesting. Um, it's an interesting conversation to have about women and, and women being influenced and, and, you know, by men to make decisions to make, uh, because in the case of, uh, Elizabeth Holmes, for example, she, she claims now that she did everything. She was forced by Sonny, her partner and boyfriend and, and so on. Um, to do the thing she did. Uh, same thing goes with the um, the uh, bad vegan woman that, you know, Sarma, she says the same thing, that the Anthony made her do all these things. Um, and to a certain extent, the same thing with the girl from Plainville, uh, Michelle Carter, she says that, you know, he, he sort of like used her to commit suicide. That's the take out there. At least that's her, what her lawyer was trying to say. Uh, anyway, so I do find that interesting, um, where you draw the line, uh, you know, between understanding that women do th go through these things, um, that men do have the power to influence women, to force women to do things, to, anyway, that kind of thing. And at the same time, it's like, are these women just not evil or, you know, just did bad things? So it's interesting. And I'd, I'd love to hear what you think when you watch these shows or... You know, or if you have watched them. Mm -hmm. um, also, the girl from Plainville. If you don't want to wait until the uh, Hulu uh, series with Al Fanny, uh, HBO has also a documentary about the about the couple uh, called "I Love You Now Die," um, and uh, they're all fascinating. And it, it's it's kind of disturbing and a very sensitive thing to talk about, but at the same time, they're interesting conversations to have. I agree. You know what else is interesting to talk about? This is a terrible segue. Absolutely oh, no. terrible segue. Uh, but uh, it is time to thank Bombas for uh, sponsoring this portion of the program and for sponsoring my sock drawer for the last two years because <laughs> everything true. I wear that I pull out of my sock drawer is a Bombas sock. 
Bombas's mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you're also giving to someone in need. Bombas designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every, every day. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a luxuriously cozy feel. There's a pair of Bombas socks for everything you do. They come in tons of options, like comfy performance styles for every sport and activity that keeps you moving. Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and the perfect weight so they hang just right. And Bombas underwear has a barely there feel with second skin support that might make you forget they're even there in a good way. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. So... Go to bombas.com slash T-L-O and get 20% off any purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash T-L-O for 20% off. Bombas.com slash T-L-O. Thank you, Bombas. I just want to say two more things. Uh, in the case of the dropout with Elizabeth Holmes, I just want to say one more thing. She actually sort of lied that she had developed the machine completely and she sold the machine to Walgreens uh, and people actually use the machine to get their test results back. Uh, so that is the worst part of the whole thing is that people actually believe the results and made medical decisions based on those results. So that's, that is the most horrific part about her story. Um, and I also want to say, I mean, I watched the girl from, from Plainville, um, and also the documentary, and and I'm glad I did because it made me things made me think personally about a lot of things, including how to listen to people, how to do your best to read people the best way you can as a mature person, as an adult, and and help as much as you can, and not take whatever someone says or whatever someone is going through, you know, in a light way. Just you know, help as much as you can. Someone who needs help, someone who's depressed, someone who's sad, someone who needs help in a way. That's it. Okay. Uh, you know who really needs help? Bill and Kathy Cambridge. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, those two, yeah. That's who we're going to talk about now. <laughs> um, the the uh, Prince William and the Duchess of Cam- Catherine, Duchess of Cambridge. See, we do use her correct title every now and then. Uh, went on a tour of the Caribbean nations of the Commonwealth, um, uh, ostensibly in support of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. And all of that sounds fine on paper, but, you know, the people who are in charge of planning these trips, and that would be, um, uh, I'm pretty sure it's a combination of Buckingham Palace and Kensington uh, Palace, because they they tend to take care of all of Bill and Kathy's stuff, but this is a senior royal, uh, you know, this is a royal tour, so it's going to be coordinated with top-level people at Buckingham Palace. And uh, what has come out during this tour, which would have been nearly impossible for any member of the royal family to pull off well, given uh, the history of those countries, we're talking Belize and Jamaica and the Bahamas, um, the history of those countries uh, in regards to their relationship with Great Britain and their relationship with the British monarchy. It's, you know, it's a colonialist past uh, rife with slavery, and um, the uh, ro- the British royal family um, has, has benefited from that slavery. So there was kind of no way for them to approach this correctly, but what has been sh- uh, honestly, tr- 
truly shocking to right. me. I agree. Has been how badly they have handled it. You that is the part that I'm just I it has thrown their entire future role into question as right. far as I'm concerned. Now, I am not a British subject, so I'm not predicting the downfall of the monarchy here. But, you know, the monarchy, the, the British monarchy lives and dies by public relations, and and it has survived uh, into the 21st century, specifically because Queen Elizabeth is very good at weathering public relations disasters. Um, but the rest of the family is not. Um, right. That has been clear over and over and over again that her children and her grandchildren aren't as good at that sort of thing as she is. And this has always been the concern for monarchists was that um, the the succeeding members of the family, specifically Charles and then after him, William, aren't really up to the task of making sure that the monarchy survives. Brit, um, Elizabeth was up to the task in a lot of ways because... She was such a staunch believer in it. She was such a staunch, and I'm not, I'm speaking of her as if she's dead. She's not. She's still the queen. But historically, she was always a staunch believer in her role, in what, in what the people of Great Britain expected of her. And it always, it was always about stability. It was always about never giving away too much. It was always about being the figure on the money. And she understood that. Um, but, you know, Charles has had a messy personal life. Um, which makes him fairly tainted going into this, even though, you know, all that mess was cleared up two decades ago. It's obviously the memory of it still lingers. He also has a history of um, being difficult to deal with on an interpersonal level. There's a lot of people with a lot of stories who say they don't like the guy, that he's sour, that he's no fun to be around. Mm -hmm. The one thing you can say about the queen because I never thought she was some sort of sparkling conversationalist or she was not some laugh riot to be around or anything like that. But she's gracious. And I've seen her in the role. I've seen her in... She's always gracious. She's yes, gracious. Yeah. I agree. And, and it's very old school gracious, which practically um, may, forces the other person to be gracious in response. It's very old school. Charles doesn't have that. He doesn't have that at all. And what has become increasingly clear uh, this week is that, shockingly, um, William and Catherine don't really have this either. They don't have that sense of grace where they're able to put people at ease. Um, although, I mean, let's get into it. Um, but I think it, it has a lot to do with, with more exposure. I mean, we are they are more exposed. The new generation... They're no more exposed than Charles and Diana were. True. No more exposed. True. But I, th- I, th- I think even more. That's just my opinion. I, mm, I don't really think so. I'm not so. defending them. I'm just saying that there's more out there. But um, I agree. Uh, they are royals in a world that is far less forgiving of royals. They're in a wor- uh, royals in a world where there is no defending colonialism at all. Right, right. And they are really the first royals who have to go out into a world like that. And uh, it's just very bad timing. And because we, you having. We're having a war right now that kind of represents that someone who decide to take over somebody else. Right. Uh, some other country. Um, so right there, I mean, that's what people are seeing and, 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 you know, horrified by. And then you just go and you get on your little plane and then you just go and, you know. Listen, America has its own history of, right. of uh, colonial empire building, um, of genocide, mm-hmm. of racism. So it's not about... Um, necessarily standing in judgment over those 
parts of the British, you know, British history, because I know I come from a country that shares a history just as bad, if not worse. It's about, for us, what we're talking about today, it's about how the the palace and specifically these two have responded to it. And here's the thing. There's been a lot of rhetoric about, oh, I feel bad for them. They couldn't win either way. And, you know, it's not their fault, blah, blah, blah. No, that doesn't fly with me at all. First off, um, uh, if you are there representing the monarchy, you got to take the good with the bad. And that's going to mean the anti-colonialist attitude, um, which you stand as exemplars of. So I don't feel bad for them that they had to be uncomfortable a couple of times on this. Uh, And I also do not believe for one second, and not only, it's not even a matter of belief, I know this. I know that they were not at the mercy of other people in planning this, for especially for some of the stuff that has become so um, lightning rods for controversy. Number one, um, William made a speech in Jamaica where he expressed profound sorrow for uh, the history of slavery in Great Britain, and it was characterized, if you've read the speech or seen him deliver, by how much he didn't give. It was so circumspect, and there were so many euphemisms used, and he never once expressed what what many in Jamaica and in the Caribbean nations have been calling for, which is an apology, an actual apology from the British royal family for their part in uh, slavery, in the slave trade. He didn't do that. So, yeah, I, he thinks That's slavery is choice. bad, but he doesn't acknowledge that part of that specific yeah. case, it, it's his fault and his family's fault. Um, um, regardless of whether you even feel that way, you should have been smart enough to know that this is what the moment called for and that if you didn't deliver it, it was going to be considered a failure. And that is really the moment the tour went started going south for right. them. Well, the thing with this family, it's, it's just one word, one basic word, it's tradition. They're so obsessed with tradition to celebrating tradition and things that they've done for 500 years right. that... They, there's no spin in it. There, they, right. There's no modernizing anything or, or seeing things through a more current, more, you know, uh, more current light that, okay, we're going there to celebrate my grandmother's, you know, reign. Right. <laughs> but we're going to do it a little different. We're going to, like, meet people who are making a difference in the country or whatever. And then we're going to make speeches about how, you know, blah, blah, blah. No. Right. It's all these very royal well, first off, uh, I visit. think the very idea of making this tour about the Queen, I know it's her jubilee, right. I understand right. that, but um, uh, I don't. I think it's a mistake to make it a celebration of her life or career you, you to those people. Right. Those people are not inclined to, to celebrate her. So if you're there to sort of mend or help support the monarchy, there were ways of doing this that weren't so right. obvious, call, like... Okay, let me just say this. All week long, we covered the Cambridges, and there were several times where we called out uh, either style choices that she made or things that the staging choices that they made that, mm, this isn't so great. <clears throat> and all week long, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we did a podcast where we said we were pulling back on coverage of them. Um, now, we said we were pulling back on casual coverage, something like a tour we were always going to cover. But... I did not expect to be devoting a podcast to them, even as early, uh, even as late as last night. I didn't think we were going to. I, I avoided it all week long. I'm like, we, we just talked about them a couple of weeks ago when William said, and this is not unrelated, that stupid comment about the invasion of Ukraine where we're not used to seeing this sort of thing in Europe and everything. 
Uh, and we talked about them a bit. That's just like two or three weeks ago. So right. I really didn't want to come back to this at all. I felt like, all right, we're saying most of what I feel like needs to be said on the on the site, um, except for one major glaring thing, which I will get to in a minute. Um, but then last night, I saw the pictures of them uh, uh, in Jamaica for the uh, uh, military parade, and my jaw... I literally gasped when I saw what she was wearing, which is, we covered it today, it's this white lace outfit that just screams colonialism, screams white purity. It looks so awful in the setting. It looks so retrograde. Um, it's her and William on the back of a Range Rover standing up and surveying the troops like and he's in military dress it is a shockingly terrible image mm-hmm. um i don't care and i do i understand the tradition i understand what they're referencing i understand the various past trips that have been made to jamaica that they are referencing right here's what those trips were decades ago the world has changed mm-hmm. yeah. the monarchy should have changed especially in relation to how it treats these people who are all talking about removing the, this is the thing this is all happening while the caribbean nations are all having conversations where they're talking about removing the queen right and they're demanding reparations an apology yeah. and an apology this is not, i don't care how much tradition there is involved in this right you had the right and the ability to make sure that those images, that there were no images of you looking like Evita Peron on the back of a Jeep. Especially because you're supposed to represent the future. And you're presenting yourself just the same old bullshit that right. your grandmother did. Uh, so- no, this is even worse, in my opinion. There are pictures of Elizabeth in Jamaica, and she was not that turned out. It was her usual mumsy sort of queenly dresses, mm-hmm. but they were largely day dresses. And here's right. Catherine in something that is formal as fuck. And it was... and. Elizabeth, people keep talking about this white lace dress that Elizabeth wore in 1954. She wore it to a garden party in Australia. I'm pretty sure she didn't wear it around indigenous people while she was there. That the setting oh, is really it comp- wasn't even oh no 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 same no. country I thought oh, oh no. god she wore that to a garden party that was god. probably all white people the stretch which vinegar. doesn't make it better but it also you know it also doesn't make it as tone deaf as right there are images of Kate in white lace surrounded and everybody around her is black and it's just who what how how did you no I'm sorry I blame you I blame I this is. I don't care what courtier said you had to get on the back of that Jeep or whatever. Fine. Well, that's and, the thing. And you yeah, I'm about- pretty sure that William probably couldn't have avoided wearing military dress because right. it was a military. Per- but we can talk she about- had the right. To- we can talk about the car. We can talk about the uh, the chair that looks like a throne and all. Those weren't their decisions. But combined with everything else, it just gives that picture of, of you know. I don't entirely support the idea that those weren't their decisions, that they had she didn't no pick a chair. control. That palace can make sure. The palace could have said, look, we're not doing the back of the Jeep. True, thing. true. We're not going to. They'll review the troops. They'll sit on the tarmac, but we're not doing that because that image is 50 years out of date. That looks like a picture of an invasion. It, I, does. it does. I'm sorry, but it, it does. It does. And she looks like some dictator's wife on, in that outfit. It, she, does. she truly does. They are both. That outfit choice just 
Oh, did her, the oh, monarchy wrong? Oh, like choices, it just yeah. made the monarchy look so bad. It is literally the worst stumble I've ever seen Kate make ever. And all we've covered her for eleven or twelve years now, and I think what it comes down to is. Kate doesn't stumble normally because Kate is very good at just sticking with tradition, sticking with what's expecting of her, of her, not making any waves. And this is exactly what was not required of you in this trip. This trip required people who were able to address the current era, who yes. were able to yes. adjust yes. how they look, how they work, yes. how they interact with people. And I'm just going to say what we have avoided saying all week long on the site for very clear reasons, but it's true. Meghan and Harry would not have fucked this trip up as badly as they have. They couldn't have um, offered them reparations. They couldn't have prevented them from wanting to remove the queen. I'm not going to lay that stuff at William and Kate's feet, but um, they would have not insulted their hosts as much as these two have, and the images that came out of it would have been a lot more beneficial to the monarchy. Right, it's, and I don't understand. You can't tell me that these people weren't prepared for what they were, what they're facing right now. I mean, look at what happened in Barbados. You know, like they, they broke ties with the queens many months ago. What right. was it last year or something? So they knew that something like this would 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 happen in those countries. Right. So you'd have to be prepared with with a better speech and a better everything. Right. I hate her choices. I think it's, you know, kind of lame now after we talked about all this, but I hate her choices. They look like someone who's going on a vacation and that's her idea. That's your idea of how right. you should dress in, in a tropical country. It's just... The, I was it's even, borderline insulting. I was fine <laughs> with the dresses, but when I saw the jewelry and the earrings, yeah, I was like, come and on. And people were like, oh, well, she's worn that before, and she's worn that. I'm like, she does not dress like this on royal engagements anywhere else in the world, even when the weather is warm. Right. She is only dressing like this tourist person because she's in the Caribbean. And that is vaguely insulting to your host because you're not on vacation. You're not a tourist. You're a duchess. You're supposed to be supporting both your uh, the monarchy and you're supposed to be respecting the people that you're with. Showing up like you are getting margaritas at Senior Frogs is ex and that is how she looked on several of these <laughs> engagements. It's just yeah. a clear like, yeah, you... You don't under you don't get it. That's right, the right. what comes you out of this. You don't get it. That, that's you exactly. don't get it. Yeah, and don't I don't want to single her out entirely because he's the same. The first off, like I said, he gave that speech, right. which was a disastrous speech. And that one again, oh, that's nothing they could have done. They, 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 they can't win either way. No, he could have not given a disastrous speech. Right. She could have not dressed like a dictator's wife or a tourist. These were their choices. Right. They're they're. Yeah, I don't know if it's, they're clueless or they just don't care or a combination of both. I mean, that picture that exploded on social media uh, where they greet the children. And the uh, chain link fence in Trenchtown. I will, I feel like someone on their staff should have stopped no. that from yeah. happening, but I'm not going to lay that entirely at their feet. Yes, but these people have experience. They, they, there are so many protocols. There are so many things they can't do. They can't receive gifts. They can't touch people. They can't do this and that and the other. You telling me that at that point they saw that fence and said, "No, no, no, we're not doing this." Right? Come on, of course uh, you have that option. Well, uh, then they would have been caught on camera saying that. I don't. I mean, well, maybe that's, better. That's maybe better because then you come out with a statement and say we didn't think it was appropriate. Something. I mean, well, it might have looked like they didn't think 
yeah. that they didn't want to shake. Whatever. Well, the bottom line is that the picture is out there and it looks horrific. I totally agree. And I that's one I'm putting at their staff. Uh, uh, right. Uh, uh, William and Kate, they're in public. Cameras are on them. And they're, you know, and they've shaken hands through fences before. They just clearly but were. Again, context. let's go context. back. Let's go back to my earlier point. Let's unpack this because I'm pretty sure Meghan Markle would never have walked up to that fence. She would have stopped and said, open the fence or let them through. Look, this is not a, despite what some people online believe of us, we are not Meghan Markle stands by any stretch of the imagination. I'd like to make a statement here and say that I can't stand any of them. Okay. Um, So, and that's not what I, you know, I'm not trying to say anything about like, oh, she's, but there's no denying that... the one thing the British royal family truly did not understand, and Meghan and Harry were clear about this in their complaints uh, regarding the family, was that they didn't understand the benefit of having a black American woman in the family as a senior royal. And this would have been a prime example right. of when it would have benefited the family. Um, there were people, protests in in uh, Jamaica, where people were saying, we wouldn't have minded seeing Meghan and Harry. We'd love to see those really? two. I, we I just didn't, didn't want to see uh, these two. Interesting. And, you know, Meghan doesn't have some magical power as a biracial woman. I don't mean that. But um, it she is stripped of any whiff of colonialism by nature of her her racial existence. She exactly. is completely, exactly. you can't layer that right. on her. Right. And that is why she was always going to be a benefit to a monarchy heading into this century without the queen. And it's, I, we said it at the time when they walked away, it was a mistake for them to let, to let them go. Because I agree, Meghan and Harry from a Royal family perspective are largely too much trouble than they're, more trouble than they're worth. But in this instance, they should have held on to them for that alone. You are going to have to spend the next 40 years reaching out to countries where the majority are not white. And your family is historically fucking terrible at this. Right. And here's the latest generation, William and Catherine. This is what's so appalling. It's like, wow, you are just as bad at this as like Edward and Wallace Simpson. Like you are so bad at this. They're so like, I don't know. Yeah. They're so in that world that they can't see anything else. And I agree. If Megan was there, I think it sends the, the ma- imagery would have been and much it sends different. a message that things have changed or right. are changing. Right. And uh, the fact that she's part of the royal family now, right. And you know, you're the same color as I am. If they're, they're right. thinking there, you know, so things are changing. So maybe we can have a conversation now. Right. Uh, maybe we can move on and and change things. But no. No, they send, I mean, they looked like yeah. conquerors. They looked they like um, they were setting themselves above the people they were visiting. Um, it was just bad, terrible optics. And this is, just to re- go back to the Megan point, it's not that I think she would have been some great diplomat, or right. Harry certainly wouldn't have been. But this is one instance where, yeah, that would have been a benefit. She First off, she never would have dressed like Imelda Marcos on that tarmac like megan wouldn't address that way she wouldn't address like she was um on you know in cancun for vacation that's not how megan ever dressed so she would have avoided all that stuff that that kate is clearly just not good at 
send Kate off to gardens in England and early childhood development programs in, you know, Ireland and photograph. She's fine on the shores of her own country, but I don't think she's all that great when, you know, she has to do the diplomatic stuff. Ooh, my email box going to explode right Mm, now. (laughs) I don't care. And like I said uh, a couple of times this week, because, oh my God, the... um, Cambridge posts have exploded on Facebook for some reason. They were so, oh, and it's all these people crazy. screaming at us for for calling her Kathy Cambridge. I'd say that we're the reason why uh, now they're saying Princess that, Diana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're bullying her, and this is why Princess Diana was killed. There is a tradition of funny nicknames for the British royal family that literally stretches back a millennia. Fucking Shakespeare did it in his plays. I am not going <laughs> to listen to this nuts. And I'll tell you what, my uh, grandfather had to flee Ireland after the rebellion in 1916. My um, great-grandparents on my mother's side had to flee Ireland because of the... Um, uh, famine and also um, a great 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 uh, grandparent um, came here to this country because she had to flee Ireland after her husband was sent to an Australian work camp uh, for stealing a sheep to feed his family. And I grew up, oh my god, <laughs> um, I know, listening to Irish rebellion songs or Irish anti English songs where they talked about. Um, you know, Queen Maggie and and uh, Betty and Phil and that sort of thing. I can remember. Um, no one ever remembers this, but uh, back uh, when Charles and Diana got married, uh, Joan Rivers had a running joke that their first child was going to be named Up, so that they could sign their Christmas cards, Up, Chuck, and Die. Oh um, so, no, I don't want to hear this. There is a long-standing today. Uh, the, the, the British press have, has called him Randy Andy. They've right. called Sarah Ferguson Fergie. They've had nicknames for Camilla, nicknames for Charles, nicknames for Phil, Philip, and nicknames for Elizabeth. I don't want to hear anything but about it, how you're offended so because we as, call her Kathy. As far as I remember, it's always been Americans complaining about the nickname. No, lately no? there's a lot of people, on, a lot of British people on Facebook oh, that are, okay. are mad at us for oh, it. And God. I'm like, I sh- I'm not addressing her. I'm not one of her subjects. It's a harmless nickname. It's not like I'm calling her a bitch or something. Um, anyway, this, this concludes our Royal talk Ooh. for the week. I, um, I, I'm not fans or detractors of the Cambridges or the royal family generally. I think it's an outdated institution. I think they're fascinating to mm-hmm. cover. I like how they how to cover how they uh, approach fashion and use it. But um, right, That's this has been it. yeah. I'm not fans of no, any I, of them. I, as I said, I can't stand them. I can't stand. I don't understand the whole royal system and family. I don't, uh, and I have no desire to. Yeah, uh, but. I respect and, and and I'm fascinated by the importance of the right. whole thing. Right. Um, yeah. And fashion choices and things like that. But yeah. that, that's the extent um, of my They are interesting curiosity. cultural figures. And actually, this week was a really interesting time to look at these two figures and realize, boy, this, this institution is completely unprepared for the century that they're in. And they are um, shockingly unprepared for a post-Elizabeth life. Uh, for itself yeah this is the first time where i was like yeah this this is not going to survive 50 years another 50 years um if it's in the hands of these dullards who don't know how to talk (laughs) to anyone who isn't a white aristocrat well then yeah it's time to end it um anyway anyway that's it do you have anything you want to add no that's pretty much it we're excited about the oscars stay tuned we're gonna have a lot of red carpet um 
dresses and coverage uh, on our site. So, and uh, if you have any hate mail to send us about today's podcast, <laughs> please send it to I don't care at TomandLorenzo.com. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so I don't care at TomandLorenzo.com. At TomandLorenzo.com. <laughs> anyway, thank you oh once again for listening to our cartoon <laughs> voices talk about matters frivolous and slightly important. Uh, we'll be back next week with whatever crosses our eyes or crosses our desks. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Love you. Mean it. Bye-bye. Bye.